Let's go to Genesis chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Genesis chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. And if we're in the book of Genesis, because throughout the week, every year I start all over again, start reading through the Bible for myself. And when I read, I always come across stories that I think I'm familiar with. I'm tempted to just skip. But then I find something that really speaks to me. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, the Word of God says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. He said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you. Your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, What good are your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, and Eliezer of Damascus is a servant in my household, he's going to inherit all my wealth. So he's already telling God what's going to happen. How many are guilty of that? You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. The Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir. You will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up to the sky, count the stars if you can, and that's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteousness. He counted it as righteousness of faith. And the Lord told him, I'm the Lord. Someone, you need to hear that today. I am the Lord. I brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you a land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I'm going to possess it? The Lord told him, bring me three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him, and he killed them. Then he cut each animal down in the middle and laid his half side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the the carcasses. But Abram Chase them away. Now, believe it or not, this is what spoke to me. Verse 11, let me read it again. Some vultures, everyone say that with me. Some vultures, some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses. But Abram chased them away. In verse 18, I'll jump there. It says, the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. And Abram chased the vultures away. In fact, that's the title of today's message. Chase your vultures away. Come on, say that with me. Chase your vultures away. And help me preach. Come on, you got to help me preach today. Turn to your neighbor. You already know. Tell him, hey, Chase your vultures away. How many have some vultures in your life? Come on. (laughs) You're working for a vulture. You're raising some vultures. (laughs) Go to a church with vultures. I go to a church with vultures. I don't know about you, but I go to a church with vultures. To name it Vulture Fellowship. Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, in Jesus' name, bless this word. Help us to learn it, live it, and love it. In Jesus' name, use me now. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we learn how to chase vultures away. Abram was 75 years old when God showed up and said to him, I'm going to bless you. Your descendants will be great. But Abram was honest with God and he said, okay, God, I don't know if you see my situation, but I'm old. My wife is old. I'm way past that age, and I have no children. He begins to tell God, and because I have no children, 
Eliezer, my servant, he's going to get everything I have. He's going to be my heir. I'm not going to pass down my name. I'm not going to pass down my legacy. It ends right here. So he begins to tell God what's going to happen. How foolish do you have to be to tell God what's going to happen in your life? But Abraham does it and he tells God, I have no children, I have no descendants, and Eliezer is going to get everything I have. But God surprises him one night, and he tells him what I believe a lot of us need to hear right now. Simply this, he says, Abram, do not be afraid. What was Abraham fearing? I always wonder, what was he afraid of? That God told him, do not be afraid. Well, he was afraid of having no children and not having his name and legacy passed on. If you really want to think about where fear comes from, what fear really is, here's what it is. Fear is a vision of failure. Abraham feels that he's going to fail as a man because he cannot produce a child and he can't pass on his family legacy. And many of you carry this fear of failure. You fear that you're not, you're going to fail and not be able to provide for your family. You fear that you're going to fail as a parent and not raise godly children. You fear that your health is going to fail. You fear that you're going to fail in life. But there's a great fear of failure that takes over our minds and our emotions. And God tells them what I believe all of us need to hear today. Do not be afraid. Don't you be afraid of what's going to happen. Don't you be afraid of what you think is going to occur. I hear you, Abram. I see you, Abram. I know you're afraid, but God tells him, do not be afraid. And God gives him a vision, the Bible says. And in this vision, God shows him the stars. He looks up to the night skies. He sees the stars by the billions. And I've been there in Israel at night. When you look up at that Israeli sky, the stars are the most beautiful and amazing you've ever seen. Countless stars. And God tells them, what I'm getting ready to do in your life is greater than you can even count on. And God is giving him a vision of greatness. And God says, I'm going to bless you. And God says in verse 5, I'm going to bless you so much Here's what that blessing is going to look like. And God tells him, count the stars. And Abram says, I can't do that. That is impossible to count every star. But you know why God tells him to count the stars, church? Because God is letting him know that I'm going to bless you in ways you never counted on. I'm going to bless you in ways you never counted. I'm going to do things far more than you ever imagined. I'm going to do great things and I'm going to bless you beyond measure. And he wants Abram to see it. He wants him to envision it. And I wonder today, what is the vision of your life? Is your vision that of failure? Does the vision for your life bring fear to you? Or are you envisioning a life of blessing? Are you envisioning a life of greatness? Are you envisioning your spouse getting saved this year? Are you envisioning your children coming back to church? Are you envisioning God providing for your needs? Are you envisioning healing? Are you envisioning strength? What is the vision God has given you? Has God given you a vision of greatness? Has God given you a vision for the future? See, Abram has a vision from God, and that vision is a great one. But see, Abraham is honest with God. In verse 8, the Bible says that Abram believed God. And some of you believe God. You believe He can do it. You believe God's going to change your situation. You believe that God's going to heal you. You believe that God can do the impossible. But in verse 8, Abram is honest with God. And he said, Oh, sovereign Lord. I love how he says it. You are sovereign. You are in power. You have all authority. I know you are sovereign, God. But he's so honest. And he says, How can I be sure? See, he says, God, I believe you. I believe you can do it. But if I'm honest, 
Lord, I'm, I'm just not sure it's going to happen. And I wonder this new year, if I have people in this church that believe in God, that believe He can do the impossible, that believe in His greatness, but deep down inside, they're just not sure that God's going to do it for them. You believe God can bring that prodigal child back to the Lord, but you're not sure if He can do it for your child. You believe that God can provide needs and do miracles, but you're not sure if He can provide your needs or your miracle. It's interesting how we can believe in a God that we're not always so sure of. And I wonder today, if you're wrestling with that, and he tells God, how can I be sure? Because God, I don't know if you know this, but I'm 75 years old. And and that old hag over there is my wife. Sarah. And Lord, you know the truth, and you know me and Sarah, We, you know that, that season in our lives is long gone. How can I be so sure? And it's so interesting that sometimes our uncertainty comes because we tell God, what our situation is. But God is not subject to our situation. He is sovereign. That's why he said sovereign. But he's not sure. I'm just not sure if you can do it, God. But the Bible says this interesting thing. God doesn't tell him, how dare you question me? After I showed you all the stars, after everything I showed you, you're not sure? God doesn't get offense to our doubt. God God doesn't get angry when you're saying, Lord, I'm just uncertain. God doesn't even tell Abram, Abram, I know you're not sure, but you need to trust me. God doesn't even say that. God says, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. I'm going to do things you never counted on. And if you're not sure, you know what God tells him to do? God says, go get me a heifer. Go get me a lamb. Go get me a dove. You know what God is saying here? If you're not sure, go and make me a sacrifice. You say, well, pastor, what's the point? I was convicted when I read this. Because for so many of you here in this church, maybe God has given you a vision. God will give you a vision for your life. That vision is His. It's not yours. It's what God wants to do through you. God will give you a vision for your life like He did Abraham. God will give you a vision for your family. God has given us a vision even for this church. But Abram reminds us That even though God can bless us, because a lot of us, we have selective seeing. That's what I call it. Selective seeing. Not just selective hearing, but selective seeing. When we see stories like this in the Bible, we're almost tempted to think that God is obligated, like Abram, to bless us and make us great and multiply us and do wonders in our lives. And we say, yes, God can bless us. Yes, God can make us great. Yes, God can do the impossible and do things He never, you never counted on. But church, I want you to really see what this story is saying. God tells Abram, I will bless you and I will make you great. But first, Abram, I need you to make a sacrifice. And a sacrifice in the Bible was not easy. When you gave a sacrifice, you were giving God the best of what you had. 
When you gave a sacrifice, you cut that animal down in half. It was blurry. It was messy. But it was your way of telling God, I am committed to you. I am sacrificing for you. I am giving you the best of who I am, the best of what I have. I am surrendering that to you. And it's so interesting that before God can bless Abram, he commanded him to give a sacrifice. Why is it so important that we learn this? Because many of you have a vision for greatness in your life. Many of you have a desire to see God do miracles. You want God to bless you. You want God to use you. But see, a lot of people want the blessings of God without the sacrifice. You want the favor of God without the sacrifice. You want the blessings and the favor and the miracle and the greatness of God without the sacrifice. We ask the Lord to bless us all the time. We say, Lord, bless my life. Lord, bless my children. Lord, bless my finances. But we don't sacrifice. And we look at this Bible and we see how God blesses everyone. He blessed Abraham. But before God could even make Abram great, he said, I want you to first give me a sacrifice. You see, the the Christian life is not just God throwing blessings in your life. And we come to church and we say, Lord, bless us. Lord, change our situation. Lord, do the impossible. Lord, bring healing, do miracles. But Lord, don't ask me to give anything up for you. Don't ask me to sacrifice. But see, God does great things through sacrifice. We look at Jesus Christ, how God loved us. God forgave us of our sins. We glory in that. But do you realize that the love of God was demonstrated through his son Jesus that he sacrificed on the cross? God says he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son as a sacrifice. You see, it's easy for us to say, yes, God sacrificed for me. My question, church, this morning is, will you sacrifice for God? I know this message is not popular. I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens for this. But I know that if you would apply this message to your life, God can do greater and bless you in ways you never counted. But as a church, we have to learn that if we want to see the greatness of God displayed in our lives, if you want to be used by God, if you want to see the blessings of God, you have to be like Abram. You have to be willing to not only see it for yourself, you have to be willing to sacrifice for it. It's amazing to me that we pray and we say, Lord, please bless me with healing. But your best friend is little Debbie. And you want to still snack on garbage. And you say, Lord, help me. I want to be healthy. But healthy is a sacrifice. I'll be watching you next Sunday at our barbecue. I know you'll be watching me. Oh, pastor, what happened to the sacrifice? And I'll be like, get behind me, Satan. And I'll cast you away. But isn't it interesting that we want to be healthy? And we look at other people that are healthy. We want what they have, but we're not willing to do what they did. We say, Lord, bless me financially. Lord, get me out of debt in Jesus' name. You lay your cards down, you lay Visa and MasterCard down, you say, you will no longer be the master of me. And some of you can't get off Amazon. And I said, this is the year we get out of debt. She's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And Jerrica runs to the porch and hides that package. She's like, I gotta run and get it. We said, this, Lord, bless my finances. That means you might have to sacrifice. You, you might have to eat more ramen and less Chick-fil-A. 
You might have to sacrifice and eat at home more instead of eating out all the time. You might have to say no to the things even though they're on sale. Doesn't mean you got to buy it. You're saying, Lord, bless me financially, but some of you not even give a dime to this church. Oh, God, bless me financially. Provide for my needs. But you don't want to sacrifice. You say, God, I have a vision of getting closer to you this year. I want to feel your presence more. And I'll be honest with you, an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning once a week is not going to cut it. You're going to have to sacrifice and get up earlier to be on your knees in prayer. You're going to have to sacrifice and open up this Bible. And well, I don't understand it. Then you're going to have to sacrifice and come to church on a Wednesday night that preaches the Bible through and through. You're going to have to sacrifice and shut off the TV and turn off the Netflix and shut off the social media. You're going to have to sacrifice to get in this word. But it's hard. It's hard. Because it's so much easier for us to just vision it and ask God for it. But are you willing to sacrifice for it? You have a vision of raising godly children. But you don't even pray with them. You don't even read the word with them. You give them a bad example at home, but you have a vision of your children serving God. But those same children, when they envision you, they don't see you serving God. And it's cute that you might go over their bedside when they're sleeping and lay hands and say, Lord, bless my child. It's going to take more than that, church. Your children might... You might have to sit down with them with a children's Bible and read a story to them. And they might ask you the weirdest questions. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? What did God do with the termites in the ark? Let me help you with that. Three words. Ask Pastor David. When we go to church. Not if we go to church. When we go to church, children. You go ahead and ask Pastor David anything you want. Don't bother me with it. You sacrifice to raise godly children. Got to watch what they're watching. Listen to what they're listening to. You got to see who their friends are. And if you see something that's not godly, you better sacrifice it. We have a vision for marriage. You say, Lord, bless my spouse, bless our marriage, make us stronger, make us more loving, make us more unified, Lord. And if you have a vision for a great marriage, you better have a commitment for great sacrifice. In Jesus' name, you better sit down and watch every Hallmark movie she wants. Because it's a sacrifice. And in Jesus' name, you go to the, you go on that date to Bath Pro Shop. It is a sacrifice, ladies. Just, just do it. Marriage is a sacrifice and a commitment. It's a difficult commitment. Because marriage says, I'm living for you and I expect you to live for me. And the reason that divorce is on the high is because we, we live in this world where when people vision marriage, what they really vision is not God's vision for marriage. What they vision is Hollywood's vision of marriage. We vision what we see in movies. We vision what we read in fairy tales. When you think of your spouse, you think Nicholas Sparks a notebook garbage. Let me tell you a real vision of marriage if you're into fairy tales and movies. If you want to compare marriage to a fairy tale, it's Beauty and the Beast, ladies. You're going to be all beautiful and have a vision of beauty, but you're going to feel like you're married to an animal. That's marriage. 
And if you want to picture marriage as a movie, I got the perfect movie for you. It's Transformers. Because women will change on you like that. And I know, fellas, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm married to Megatron. It's a vision that we have. But if you want to see God do great things in your family, in your children, in yourself, and in your marriage, you have to live with sacrifice. There's something about sacrifice that changes everything. I love what, what Jerrica did yesterday. She, she wasn't feeling too well. And she looks at me in the afternoon and she says, you know, if, if you want, you go ahead and you go fishing. You go fishing, you call my dad and you go fishing. And I was like, is this a test? Do I stay and take care of her? Do I go fishing? As I'm thinking, I'm already dying my father-in-law. He's like, why not? Let's go. And I, I ran before she changed her mind because Transformer. Megatron changes. So I said, before she changes, I ran out of there. When I got back home, that sacrifice meant so much to me. I said, honey, go upstairs. Don't worry. I'm taking care of the kitchen today. I'm doing all the dishes. I didn't do them right. But I did my best. But see, but there's something about sacrifice. That God says, I see that. You want God this year to bless you. You want God to to fulfill the destiny that you have in your vision. And if we want God to bless our church and see greater things, we have to be people not only of vision, but of sacrifice. The church talks a lot about vision and not enough about sacrifice. And if everyone here in this church would live to sacrifice for the Lord, your life would be so radically transformed. You see, we want the blessings of God, the favor of God. We want the greatness of God to be displayed in our lives, our family, our children. But we don't want to do the sacrifice. Verse 10 and 11, as I read this, I realized that Abram, he obeyed God. Didn't ask questions and he said, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you my sacrifice. So Abram presented all this to him. He killed them. He killed them. Those, those animals meant a lot to him. Remember, this was before Abram was even rich and multiplied. Abram had nothing here. And God says, give it to me. And Abram got the best of his animals. And it was hard. It was difficult. But he sacrificed. He cut each animal down in the middle as a covenant promise that God was making with him. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Notice what verse 11 says. After Abraham made the sacrifice and obeyed God, it must have been not even a minute after the vultures came. The vultures came to swoop down and eat the carcass. The vultures came down to come down and steal the sacrifice away. The vultures came down to hinder what Abram was doing for God. And I never noticed this in all my years of reading this story. But it's so interesting. Because when we make a commitment to sacrifice for the Lord, 
And we're saying, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to kill this flesh in Jesus' name. I'm going to live in obedience. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to make the commitment. I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to sacrifice for you. I'm going to live in obedience and do it, God. I'm here for you. I want to see God do great things. I want to see the blessings of God. And Lord, I'm willing to sacrifice. So I'm going to go to church no matter what. I'm going to Bible study no matter what. I'm going to get up in the morning start reading my Bible. I'm going to start tithing now. I'm going to serve in the ministry. I'm going to pray with my children. I'm going to make the commitment. I'm going to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. Lord, I know it won't be easy, but I'm going to do it because I know something great's going to come out of it. And as soon as you make that commitment, the vultures come. What are the vultures? Leviticus 11.13 tells us in Leviticus 11.13, the Bible says these are the birds that, you, that are detestable to you, that you must never eat. The griffin vulture. The bearded vulture. I didn't even know vultures had beards, but they do. The black vultures. God starts giving a list of all these vultures to stay away from. They are detestable. That word detestable in the Hebrew literally means unclean. For those that are confused about that, unclean literally means it's not honorable to God. So it's interesting that as Abram is making the sacrifices and living in obedience to God, the unpleasant things come to your life. The things that don't honor God just appear and show up. The unclean and detestable things of God show up when you're trying to live for Him. Can I get a witness? That which does not honor God will always show up when you're trying to honor God. The vultures were never around until Abraham started living in obedience and killing the flesh. That's when the vultures noticed and tried to stop it. They tried to steal it and take it. And Jesus says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Could it be that when you're trying to live a life of sacrifice for the Lord, trying to see the visions of God come to pass, that the devil tries to swoop right in and distract you, like a vulture. He swoops right in and tries to steal the blessings of God from your life. He swoops right in and tries to stop what God is doing in your life. And all of these things that come into your life that are not honoring to God just begin to show up. Here's an interesting thing about vultures. They have a keen sense. And they have incredible eyesight. And they can sense two things. When an animal is weak or dead flesh. When an animal is weak, vultures start circling. Can I preach this morning? It's when you're spiritually weak that the devil swoops in and starts circling around you because he knows you're vulnerable. It's when you're weak spiritually that you're more vulnerable and susceptible to sin. It's when you're weak spiritually, you haven't been praying as much, you haven't been in the Word as much, you've been distracted and not going to church as much, you haven't been with the Lord as much, you're weak spiritually, that's when the devil begins to circle around you because he knows and prays on the weakness of your walk with God. He knows that when you're spiritually weak because you're living with fear and doubt and habitual sin, the vultures begin to circle because he knows you're easy prey. That is why it is so important you walk with God and have a strong walk with God and you walk by the Spirit because the Bible says you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. 
The devil swoops around those that are weak. And second, vultures swoop around when they smell dead flesh. And in the Bible, being dead to your flesh is symbolic to when you're dying to your sin. So the devil shows up in two ways. When you're weak spiritually or when you're dying to your sin. Either way, that devil is showing up. He will show up to those that are spiritually weak and present sin easier to them. Or when he sees a person sacrificing. When he sees a person living for the Lord. When he sees a person getting up early to pray. When he sees a child that's being raised by godly parents. When he sees someone trying to serve God. Trying to honor the Lord. Living for Jesus. When he's sacrificing his flesh. When she's sacrificing his or her flesh. When she's not giving up into the temptation. When he's not giving into the sin. When that person is just dying to their flesh daily like the Bible says. I believe that's what attracts the devil when you're trying to get right with God and live sacrificially for Jesus the devil swoops around because he's trying to stop the work of God from happening he's trying to rob you of the blessings that God has in store for you he's trying to stop the vision that God has given you from happening and when you live for the Lord the devil says I'm close to try to stop you. And when you're spiritually weak, the devil says, you're, you're easy prey. And God says, vultures are unclean or sinful. And don't honor me. And it amazes me as a pastor you begin to live to sacrifice for the Lord. All of a sudden, sin just shows up. How that which doesn't honor God just appears. Is that a coincidence? No. It's because the devil is a vulture who prowls on the weak and is attracted to dying flesh. When you did not know Jesus and you lived in the world, your flesh was not dying. And the devil left you alone. When you came to Christ, and the Bible says we died daily to our flesh, The devil says, ooh, I smell flesh dying. i got to stop it. That is why when you say, I'm going to live for Jesus and sacrifice for God to see my life in vision of greatness, to see a vision of blessing, to be used by God, I'm going to live to sacrifice it. Old friends pop up, don't they? Little text message shows up. Hey, just checking in. It's been a while. That little vulture sweeps in and swoops into your little DMs on social media. Those old vultures come back to try to stop the work of God. That's what the devil does. He tries to bring things that don't honor God into your life to steal your sacrifice, to rob you of your blessing. If you're single, that's a sacrifice. You see everyone married, you see everyone dating, you see everyone happy, and you're alone on a weekend, it's a sacrifice. I've been there, I was there for 10 years. Don't preach to me. You're praying for God to bring you an eagle. But you're just dating turkeys. So you settle for a vulture. 
Because the vulture has abs. The vulture has a good job. When you meet someone, the first question you're going to get from me, I guarantee it, is this person a Christian? You know what I get most of the time? They believe in God. So does the devil. But it's a sacrifice to wait for the right one. I found my ego right there. After 10 years of turkeys and vultures. Vultures show up, old friends, when you're starting to live a life of sacrifice. You're trying to kill your flesh and you're going to stop drinking, but your old drinking buddies call back. You're trying to sacrifice and get up early to go to church in the morning, but your friends call the old friends and say, hey, we're going to the beach today. You're going to sacrifice and live for the Lord, but it is when you're sacrificing and living to the Lord, you get the invites to the best parties. You're saying, why now? Because a vulture smells dying flesh. It's interesting because we have herds, we have school of fish, we have flocks, deer. You know what you call a bunch of vultures? Your pastor studied this week. Two things you call a group of vultures. You call them a committee or a venue. Some of you have a committee you don't belong to anymore. And some of you want God to bless you. But you're in certain venues you don't belong in anymore. I know I'm preaching good this morning. It's you that's not living right. That's why it's so quiet. There's certain venues you don't belong in. But there you are, partying it up with vultures and wondering why God can't bless you. You know how to identify a vulture? You watch a vulture long enough. When I go hunting, I would see vultures all the time. And I look at that vulture, it would every few minutes they vomit. They just blah. Blah. One of them, it, it burned too. They have acid. Up on the tree. I was like, what is that? He was like, blah. It just vomit. You can identify a vulture in your committee when everything that comes out of their mouth is garbage. You have friends that everything out of their mouth is vomit. You're hanging out in venues and committees that what comes, the Bible says what comes out of a person's mouth is in your heart. And you're hanging around with committees and you're hanging out in venues with other vultures that everything that comes out of them is vomit. It is disgusting. It is garbage. You call friends friends and these friends, all they do is use profanity. You call these people friends, but everything out of their mouth is the F word. You call these friends, but all they do is gossip and slander. You call these your boys, but everything out of their mouth is coarse joking and filthy joking. Telling you call them your people, but everything that comes out of them is filth, and you're with them. No wonder God says, I can't bless you. Vultures love garbage. If you ever go to a city dump, you're gonna see vultures hanging out like nothing. They're around disgusting things and rotten things and they're just there with other vultures living it up because they love the filth. Because vultures have acid in their stomach that allows them to just digest the most disgusting things and it doesn't affect them. Don't tell me you're a Christian. And you can be around all this garbage and take it all in and listen to it and be a part of it. You know it doesn't honor God. It's all 
filth and it does nothing to affect you. Because when you live with the Holy Spirit, it convicts you of sin. And when you're around garbage, you can't be around it long enough to endure it. I wonder all these people that profess to be saved and believers, but when you look at their social media, they're in the world with the rest of the vultures, and it does not affect them. In Jesus' name, I say this with love. You are not saved. Because when you have the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that is a dove, not a vulture. You can't be around garbage long enough. It affects you. The Bible tells us to be like only two birds in the Bible. Maybe there are more, but I'm going to give you two. Number one, Isaiah 40, 31. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like what? Like eagles. Eagles soar. They don't flap. What? What do you mean? Yeah, listen, they soar. You know how they soar? They used what's coming against them, the wind. They used that to propel them forward. When you are a believer, no matter what comes against you, you go higher and closer to the Lord. Amen. You just start, God said, I want you to be an eagle. You soar. You know why chickens don't soar? Because they're too chicken too. I don't see turkey soaring. You go to a Christian bookstore, they have eagles everywhere. You imagine seeing a turkey? God says you have to be like an eagle. And every time I read that verse, it reminds me of something that's hard to hear. You guys ready? Eagles soar alone. The Christian life is a life of sacrifice, and it's a lonely life. You're not going to find too many friends. You're going to lose friends. Vultures are loaded with friends. All of them are in the dump, garbage, vomiting on each other. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. But eagles, they're by themselves. And if they're not by themselves, they're with their mate and their eaglets. This Christian life, you know who you're going to have? Your wife and your kids sometimes. But if you're going to be an eagle, you're going to have to learn it's a lonely place because it feels like to me being a Christian today is pretty lonely. All these other vultures are looking at you like, oh, that's weird. You're going to church today, but it's New Year's. Oh, what do you mean you're not going to the party tonight? Come on, blah, blah, come on, blah. And he's like, no, I'd rather soar alone than be in the company of fools. Come on, praise God for that. Come on. You want to soar with eagles? Two, God says in Matthew 10, 16, he says, look, I'm sending you, talking to the disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as a snake, as harmless as a dove. He says, you better be one tough dove to be in this world. Why did God use the word dove? I wish he would have used eagle here because he would say, you better be among wolves like the eagle. You better be strong. He did not say that. He said, you better be like a dove, innocent. I'd say, God, that's a lame animal. But it's not. Doves are clean animals according to Leviticus 14. Doves are used as an honorable way to give to God and sacrifice. That's why God said the Holy Spirit ascended on Jesus like a dove. Because God was letting him know, you are honorable. You are my child. See, when God looks at you, he doesn't want you living like a vulture. He wants you living like a dove. He wants you to live a life that honors him. A life of sacrifice. A life that God can say, I can use you. That's why Galatians 5.16, God said it's so perfect. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of what? The flesh. The Spirit is a dove. When you're walking with the dove, when you're walking like a dove, when you're walking with God, you don't live like a vulture. Vultures lust and desire flesh. When you have a strong walk with God, your flesh dies 
to the point that you no longer desire it. That is true freedom. So God says, I want you to soar like an eagle, even though things come up against you and you're going to be alone and no one's going to be by your side because you're by, you're going to be the only one in your home and your family and your school and your workplace that served Jesus. It's going to get lonely, but if you soar like an eagle, you're going to make it to the top. I'm going to bless you. And if you are honorable and Live a life of honor and purity like a dove. God says, I can use you. So verse 11 says this. Are you guys okay today? Some of you are like vultures. I bet. I don't know. I like my vomit. Verse 11. Abram, some vultures swooped down. Remember, the killing of the flesh. It was obedient, serving God. Okay, God, this is it. I'm dying to this. I'm killing this. It's hard. It's not easy. I, I, I love this cow. I love this lamb. I love the, I love this Lord, but I know it doesn't. I need to honor you. I need to obey you. And he puts down the knife and he splits it in two and it's messy and it's not easy, but he's doing it because he knows God has more. God can bless him. God can favor him. And God, I'm sacrificing. I'm obeying. I'm doing it. And the vulture says, wait a minute. Let's stop him. And they swoop down and try to stop him. Try to interrupt what God is doing. I wonder how many things in your life are interrupting the plans of God. The vulture swoop down. Steal and eat the sacrifice. Because the devil doesn't want you sacrificing for the Lord. He wants you to just live life easy. And that's the problem with the church today. We preach this vomit for our vultures. It's easy to serve God. It's easy. Just pray this prayer. You're good. Listen, living for Jesus will cost you. It's you no know, salvation is free, but living for Jesus will cost you. And when those vultures swoop down, Abram did what? He chased them away. Can I go a little deeper? Had that been us today, we would have said, I can tolerate a little vulture. It's not that bad. I, maybe later. Maybe I'll shush them away later. If I have time, I'm going to shush them away. I'm just so tired now. I don't feel like shushing them away. I don't want to chase them away. Why is it that we're tolerating the vultures in our lives? Why are we tolerating the things that do not honor God, that hinder the blessings from your life? Abram took action. Abram did not pray and said, Lord, I pray that thou cast these vultures away. Abram did not say, Pastor David, I need your help. I have these vultures. I don't know what to do. He did not pray them away. He chased them away. He took action. And here's the, here's the truth. We do a lot of praying in the church, but not enough action. You pray for the Lord to change your life, but you have no action to do it. You want no sacrifice. But Abram, when he sacrificed and he was obeying God because he knew this meant his blessing, and that devil of a vulture came down, he said, not today, vulture. And he ran and choose, choose, get away, get out of here. That's the kind of faith we need in the church today. We need more people to chase vultures away. We mean we need more fathers in the home that chase away vultures from their daughters. We need more people that see the vultures come and say, no, not in my house, not in my life, and they chase and they take action and they shoot them away. But here's the thing about vultures. You shoot them 
they come back. You know what a vulture does? Don't ask me how I know it, but I've shushed one before. I'll tell you, if you're sensitive, I'm sorry. I shot a deer once. Right, right where you want to shoot it too. Came tumbling down the hill. Couldn't find it for a while. When I got to it, guess who was there? Vulture was like, hmm. I chased him away. You know what that vulture did? <laughs> Vultures always come in. You know, listen, some of you, that's your Sunday morning. You get on this altar and say, Lord, that's it. This is the last time. I'm breaking up with them. I'm not doing it. I'm not watching. I'm deleting it. And God, the devil says, Monday comes. And we need more Christians to, uh, devil. Hey, devil. I want the devil to say, oh, you're serious. You're serious. Oh, because the Bible says in James 4, 7, resist the devil. Oh, resist the devil. When you submit to God, resist the devil and he will what? Flee. You know why the devil's not doing much fleeing? Because you're not doing much resisting. Let's close. Looking like a fool up here today. I pray in Jesus' name. That you see your vultures in your life. And like Abram said, I am not letting this rob me of my blessing. I'm not letting this steal my favor from God. Take action, church. Take action. That means you you might have to delete some numbers. Break up with someone. Cancel a subscription. Get off social media. And some friendships. Get up earlier. Shut off the TV sooner. Cut back in your finances so you can give to God more. Change your schedule around so you can sacrifice and be here on Wednesday nights. But if you want 22 to stay like 23, keep your vultures around. But if you want to see God move, you want to see God change your your life, you want to see God do greater things, my question to you is will you chase your vulture away? My brother Danny, I remember I was thinking about this not too long ago, but you know, here's a fun fact about Danny. Is he here? No, he's right there. Okay. Danny cannot tell the difference between a vulture and a turkey. He can't. We were in the Everglades once doing some duck honey. Get this, duck honey. And Danny taps me and says, I see a turkey. I said, what? And when I look, it was a vulture. But Danny was already gone. And Danny was like this. And I'm not kidding. You can ask Danny. Danny crossed a river in the Everglades. You don't do that. But he was with his gun and he was like a little soldier through the river. Crawling on the grass. You remember this? Crawling. And man, me the whole time, like, <laughs> what an idiot. I knew it was a vulture. And he got close enough, and that vulture went, Bleh. and then he's like, oh, and he went away. I'm like, yeah, it was a vulture then. And just last Saturday, we were in Lake Okeechobee, and I see a vulture standing there in the ground. And then he goes, look, a turkey! We are not Danny. You guys know how to identify the vultures in your life. 
don't, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's holding me back. I don't know why I'm not being blessed. I don't know why my life doesn't change. You know the vulture. You know it by name. You love the vulture. But it's time to chase it away. In Jesus' name, let's all stand to our feet. This prayer is for everyone today because all of us have a vulture. Amen? And if you don't have a vulture, your vulture is lies. You lie a lot. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today. Aren't you grateful for a God that says, I love you so much, I'm going to sacrifice my son for you. We glorify a God that sacrifices for us, but his children don't want to sacrifice for him. And my prayer today, church, a tough prayer, but I want to start this new year right with a church that says we will live to sacrifice for the Lord. No more games with God. You want to see the blessings of God. I always think about it, and I was thinking about it this morning. What could God do here at Forward Fellowship? What can God do in our church if everyone here were in common ground, say together, we will live to sacrifice. I will sacrifice my time and be on time for church. I will sacrifice financially and give my tithe and offering. I will sacrifice my day and join this ministry to serve. I will sacrifice and come to study the Bible. I will sacrifice and invite my family to church. What could God do in our church if we were people, not just a vision, not just a prayer, but people that took action and chased the vultures away this year. So if you're here this morning and you got a vulture, would you put your hand up? Say, Pastor, I have a vulture. I am not Danny. I am not your brother. I see and know where my vulture is. God bless you. I want to pray for you today that you leave this church this morning. You go home and you start chasing your vulture. It'll come back. But you keep chasing it away. To the point that that, cho- that vulture flees. And you see the freedom that God wants to bring you. I don't want to see another year where your vulture takes away the blessings of God from you. I want this year to be a year where our church... Get serious about God. To live to sacrifice in our homes, in our marriage, in our children. I want God to use us and bless us in such a way that the devil that was swooping around our church for 13 years will finally say, I'm out of here. These people are too committed. They love God too much. I'm going to go to another church where vultures are welcome. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every heart, every soul, every person here that's making the commitment to chase the vultures away. The vultures may be an addiction. The vultures may be a friend. The vultures may be entertainment that doesn't honor you. But I pray, Father, you give us the strength to chase the vultures away. Father, I pray like Abram, When he gave the sacrifice, you changed his name. You blessed his life. I pray that we would see such change in our lives because we chase the vultures away. Forgive us for tolerating vultures, entertaining vultures, excusing vultures, justifying vultures. And I pray you give us the strength to chase the vultures away. If this is your prayer today and say, Pastor, I'm committing to chasing my vulture away this year. Would you put that hand up and say, this is me, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you all around the room, all around the room, all around the room today. Let this be a serious prayer. Because the Bible says that the Lord does not honor sacrifices. He doesn't need your sacrifice. but he loves to see it. 
And Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for us in our salvation. But I wonder today if we're willing to do the same for God and live a life of sacrifice. Father, take every prayer today, every person, and we denounce every vulture that has taken our blessings away. Everything in our lives that doesn't honor you, in Jesus' name, let it vanish. And then when it comes back, give us the strength to chase it away. When it comes back, give us the strength to chase it away. And once and for all, let us chase it away and away and away to the point that the vulture never comes back. In Jesus' name, we chase away the vulture of unforgiveness. We chase away the vulture of smoking. We chase away the vulture of bad relationships and lust and pornography. We chase the vulture away of gambling, Lord. We chase the vulture away of worldliness, drunkenness. We change the vulture away that is stopping us from seeing your blessings. Give us the strength to be a church of sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a good shout of praise this morning. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I hope you guys were blessed today by that message. How many of you say, Pastor, it was a tough one, but I thank you. If you're saying thank you, Pastor, would you say it right now? All right. I don't feel as bad then. I'm saying, man, the church, I'm going to chase all my people away, not just the vultures. They're going to run away from this church. But this is a church for the tough people. This is a church for not the sensitive. But I hope that you guys take this word to heart. Go home, pray, and say, Lord, identify my vultures so I can chase them away. Because the Lord will honor a sacrificial life. And the Bible calls us every day to be a living sacrifice. I love when Paul said that. Be a living sacrifice daily. So every day I'm dying to this flesh and living to sacrifice for God. No more games in Jesus' name. Say, Pastor, no more games. Chasing my vulture.